Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us on, uh, turn us in and tune us on. One of the things you guys have heard me talk about is my journey, uh, especially working with my account rep at Bank of America and working with them to not only secure um, the the vitality of the organization through COVID-19, but also to work with them on the future. You know, how are we doing with our new expansion? What could go wrong? Now, here's what I want to say. Even with that special acknowledgement, and I encourage all of you to work with your banks, the thing that I love about this show today is I love data. I want to know what people are saying. I want to know how are we doing with a savings plan? Is there something we could do to save automatically and not even lose a night of sleep wondering if that's even happening? But then more importantly, What are some of the things that you learn and you think you know everything, but what if you could save when you spend? That's why Chris Wong is joining me here today, Consumer Savings Executive in the Consumer and Small Business Products Group at Bank of America. Chris, great to have you. Thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. Look, this is one of these conversations that you have to learn, but it's also you guys do so many studies. You really stay on the pulse of things. And, you know, I've been doing these interviews with you guys for, I don't know, like about five years now. But I'm curious about where we are and what we can do to help people when we are looking at budget, tracking, savings, and all of the above. And the reason I like this is, Chris, and let me just say this. I noticed a new tool on my bank account, and it's a really cool tool. And so every day I wake up and I go check my funds, there's a new tool. Tell me what you guys have discovered and what adjustments you're making to your service to your clients. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'll tackle a couple of things yeah. here. Uh, what's exciting to me with you know the new year underway is that 38% of Americans are aiming to save more in 2021, according to a recent survey that we did here at Bank of America. And so a great way to start saving is by doing the following three things. First, make a budget to understand your current spending habits and areas where you can save. Second, review your expenses and bucket them into categories like groceries and utilities. Finally, measure these categories against your income to find out how much you can begin saving. And then in terms of the tools that you had mentioned, one of my favorites that I've started to use is Life Plan, which is available on Bank of America's mobile and online banking platform. And so with Life Plan, I select my goals based on what's important to me. For example, right now, I'm trying to save for my daughter's education. 
And so I can track my progress at any time and adjust as life changes. I think this is really what we're talking about in terms of innovation for people and what they need. You know, once upon a time, I think, Chris, you could, you know, sort of set up an account and just roll along and money would go into it. But we are in different times and changing times and people want more flexibility. And so let's talk about, you know, what happens when you set up a plan? What happens when you set up budget and tracking and you track your spending? And then what happens when you have the, let's just say, flexibility to make a mid-course correction? Yeah, I think um, really that's a great question as we think about America Saves Week, which is an annual celebration this week designed to reinforce the importance of savings and promoting that healthy yet easy savings behavior. So a great way to participate for uh, myself and my family is just to get involved and have that conversation. Start by teaching your kids and loved ones to create that budget, how to track their spending. From there, identify the areas to save, even if it's just $5 per month to start and put that money into a separate bank account. Let's dive a little bit into the survey. Let's take a, a dive and, and if you don't mind, Let's take a take a minute to share with people what you all discovered and what does it mean to build an emergency fund? What does it mean to save when you spend? Tell us what you discovered and, and what the call to action is for Pete. Sounds good. So with that survey, we saw that 45% of Americans said their day-to-day -day living costs were their biggest challenge to saving in 2020. And so going back to the budgeting going back to reviewing your expenses and measuring those categories against your income to see where you can save, that's gonna be the core foundation of where you know, I would recommend to start. And then from there on top of that, where you can save while you spend, that's where you know, if you have a credit card and a cash rewards credit card at that, that's where you can maximize the cash back you earn on your everyday purchases and then you can use the rewards you earn to save by setting up automatic transfers so that whenever you reach a certain rewards balance, you know, $25 or so, let's say, it gets deposited directly into your savings account. Um, my assumption is on this, and I hope, Chris, you can just chime in and give us an update. My assumption in, in looking at some of the data and information is that, you know, this is really tapping into a part of what people need to know and want to have, especially as we were talking about America Saves Week. Um, wh where do people go to find out more about some of these money habits? And maybe you can't do it all, but maybe you can do one thing, right? That's absolutely right. So my go-to is bettermoneyhabits.bankofamerica.com. It's a free educational platform available to everyone. It provides easy to understand tools and information on topics like savings. And to your point, Dr. Pat, savings can fit into your everyday routine. Make it easy for yourself by setting up those automatic transfers from the checking to the savings so that you can save without having to think about it. 
I want to talk to you about two other things. I know you've, these are really short interviews, but I really do want to talk to you about save when you spend. This is one of these situations where it can be confusing for people, but people um, are really shifting to this, this method of spending. You know, I know some folks that all they do is their groceries, everything they do is they're doing it in a certain way. They're building up rewards and then they pay it off uh, at the end of the month. Can you talk to this? What are the trends you're seeing with save when you spend? Yeah, that's a great way to just begin savings and fitting that into your everyday routine, like I mentioned. So whether it's the uh, cash back that you earn on that, cash rewards credit card that I mentioned earlier, or even another great tool here at Bank of America called Keep the Change. That's a program which automatically rounds up your debit card purchase to the nearest dollar and transfers the change from your checking account to your savings account. And by the way, last year, we celebrated our 15-year anniversary for Keep the Change. Over the course of that program, more than 20 million customers have saved $15 $15 billion. So let me ask you this question. As you think about this and you know up close and personal what some of the innovations are that Bank of America has done to help people really get in the zone of this, um, what would you say are your top three suggestions for people? Sure. The first suggestion is don't wait to open up a savings account because that is one of the biggest steps you can take to start your savings journey. From there, evaluate your account options. Ask the right questions. So for example, are there account fees? Here at Bank of America, we have a great account called Advantage Savings that waives the monthly account fee for the first six months, which is a form of savings. And it's a great way to save on top of that. And then from there, Fit it into your routine. So whether it's the automatic transfers from your checking to savings or that save while you spend concept, those are three, I'd say, ways that, you know, really resonate for myself and for like my family and friends when I talk to them about savings. You know, there's so much here, but I love like pinpointing and getting right down to it. I want to ask you this question, and I know the data will talk to this. You know, what are the trends you see on the horizon for people, Chris? Yeah, the the trend that we're seeing is, one, Americans want to save more in 2021. So back to the survey that we conducted here, 38% of Americans are aiming to save more in 2021. Secondly, Um, It's about, you know, managing the day-to-day living costs. So last year, 45% 45 of Americans said that those day-to-day living costs were their biggest challenge to saving in 2020. So getting ahead of that as we get into 2021, back to the budget and managing your expenses, that's going to be foundational for jumpstarting and making sure you have a successful 2021. Chris, I want to thank you so much for today and uh, thank you for continuing to provide information so that people can make educated and informed decision. I want to ask you one last question, if I would, and that is, what is your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? And again, please remind people how they could get more detail about what we're talking about here. 
Sure. I would say that for me, savings and being able to jumpstart that savings journey by even opening up the savings account or even saving $5 a week, which will translate to over $250 in savings at the end of the year is foundational. And, you know, something that, you know, we can all just try to weave in into our everyday routine. Again, I think one of the resources that I mentioned, bettermoneyhabits.bankofamerica.com. It's free. It provides such great information. That's a go-to uh, platform that I leverage whenever family and friends ask me about where to go for more information. Well, thank you so very, very much for everything that you're doing. Thank you again, and thanks to Bank of America. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, many of you have heard us talk about some of the changes and adjustments we've made, not just as one radio show, but as a broadcast network launching 10 channels, thousands of hosts. So for us, we've been looking at how do we go about this? What have we had to do to change technology? What did we have to do to improve on how we interact and how responsive we are to all of you as listeners, but even more importantly to our clients. The good news is the pandemic has had us look at possibilities we never thought we would explore. But Carl Haller is joining me here today, global lead IBM Consumer Center of Competency. He is the expert because now we're gonna find out how this pandemic has changed consumer preferences, but even more importantly, what are all of us, service providers, retail, what are we doing to adjust? Carl, it's great to have you. Dr. Pat, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Look, all of us have had to look at, it's kind of like, oopsie, what do we do now? That kind, You ever have that thought in your mind where you go like, oopsie, what do we do now? Oh, yeah, about 10 times a day. And, and I think, you know, that we had a really big one of those, you know, gosh, now 11 months ago. Right. Um, and, and it's been continuing ever since then. And the, um, uh, the consumer, you know, you, you described it, consumers are, are behaving differently, they have different attitudes and preferences. And all of the industries that serve consumers have had to respond to that, and do so much faster than they've ever reacted in the past. And, and I don't know about you, but, you know, yes, there were some hiccups in, mm -hmm. you know, getting certain products for a short, for a period of time, but I've been really impressed with the way retailers and brands have reacted to this um, in terms of getting things like curbside pickup launched and, you know, sometimes days and weeks, um, getting things like contactless payments out, um, getting even just those plastic screens and the six foot stickers, you know, some of the stores had those things ready to go in a man in a manner of days and weeks uh, from when the from when the pandemic first hit, and you know, and, and they've been really pivoting around that ever since. And you know, one of the things you said that I really want to pick up on for those of you out there, I want to make sure that you know that anything we're talking about, go over to ibm.com/retail ibm dot com slash retail. One of the things that I think people like me and others are faced with, Carl, is we have never had to think about, let me let me simplify it, bandwidth. 
in the way we're thinking about it now. And the reason I bring it up is because we're getting such great retail service, everything from doctor appointments where they're showing live streaming videos and x-rays. I mean, it's phenomenal. But as the service provider, we didn't understand server. What, what, what do I, what cloud, what? Yes, Where am exactly. I going with that? Um, but you all have stepped up to that to address this issue, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, really, if you, if you think about it from a consumer perspective, you know, it's about what what tool is needed to do the job. Like if I just need to add or multiply, you know, two five digit numbers together, I can just pick up a calculator and do that. You know, one time, that's great. If I need to do it time and time again, well, maybe I, you know, get do something in Excel on my laptop. Well, maybe I need to do that, but I also need to have, you know, three other people collaborate with me. And so I need to not just do it on my laptop. I need to do it on kind of a laptop in the sky, you know, where, and so maybe I'm using an online version of Excel, or maybe I'm using something like a Google Sheets. And I'm, what I'm doing is I'm kind of changing the compute is what we would call that. Changing the tool to match what my needs are. And that's really what, what retailers do with cloud computing. Rather than buying a bunch of computers and putting them in what's called a data center, where they run all the retailers' uh, systems and tools that they use, they're now turning to cloud computing, which you can, you know, is somewhat, it's, it's computers that exist in someone else's facility that you pay as much as you use. Um, and that's allowed them to scale up and down as needs dictate. And when we have a time where, you know, online shopping grew so much as it did last April, uh, we experienced approximately five years of growth in online shopping in the span of about five weeks. That wouldn't be possible if all the retailers now had to go out and buy, you know, hundreds or thousands of new servers to handle all of that inbound online traffic. But instead, they could work with their cloud provider, and IBM is one of the leading cloud providers in the country, um, to essentially turn on more computing power and say, you know what, I need, you know, I need that pipe to be a lot bigger than it was yesterday because I'm getting a lot more demand. Yeah. And you said it. I mean, uh, many people, if they don't know, we're right now, we're shopping for cloud providers to handle our expansion and the bandwidth we'll need for live streaming audio, full production and live streaming video. So this is a topic very near and dear to my heart. But the flip side of this, too, is there is a positive environmental, if I should say, impact of this. And for networks like ours that has a green channel, just saying, we're glad to see the move in that direction. You know, are, what is the feedback? What kind of feedback are you getting about this? Because most environmentalists or green friendly people, and by the way, there are, are 50 shades of green. But most people are like, yeah, I'm all for it if you can make this easy, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, each consumer kind of draws up what's important to them based on, you know, what they need and want at the time. Um, we, we, we released a study, a global study of about just under 30,000 consumers around the world last year, um, pre-pandemic, and we found that 
57% of consumers were willing to change their shopping behavior um, to be more environmentally friendly and to be more sustainable. About a third of consumers were willing to pay more um, to support products or brands who were taking a more environmentally friendly or more sustainable posture. Um, now, I think when, you know, when people could, in that time period, when people couldn't get toilet paper and couldn't get disinfecting wipes, yeah. they were going to do whatever they needed because, you know, we moved up, up Maslow's, move, moved it, moved to a different position, right. lower down in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's right. You know, it was about personal family safety and security. So some of that put went on a big pause, but in 2021 and forward, it's really coming back in a big way. We're talking to you know clients all around the world right now about what they're doing from a sustainability perspective, how they're measuring it, because you talked about the 50 shades of green is important, yeah. and how you share that to consumers so consumers can understand the impact of their decisions. You know, like to what extent is it more sustainable to shop in a store versus shopping at home online and getting something delivered? Right. You know, that probably depends on how you get to the store. Are you driving yourself? Are you just buying one item or are you buying a whole basket full of items? Um, is your box coming with only one item in it? Is it being sent locally? Is it being <laughs> shipped from overseas? You know, there are a lot of different variables involved. And right now, I think a lot of consumers, they want to be sustainable. They don't know how. So they're so we're trying to help retailers and brands share information so consumers can make the better decisions that most of them want to make if they have the right information. You know, Carl, one of the things that you talked about, and I really want to get a little bit deeper about this, and that is this idea of flexibility, user-friendly, different IT infrastructures. For us as a network, we got on top of changing our infrastructure about two years ago, and now we're in testing. And we had to make a major shift from a particular software to a different software, uh, but a whole different infrastructure about, about around delivering live streaming audio video to the point of looking like a TV network as we are, but we didn't know what we didn't know about that. The good news is we started two years ago. How are people doing such a fantastic job in such a short period of time? This has to do with the level of consumer slash customer <clears throat> focus you all have around this. Because look, of course, you're IBM, but even as IBM, you guys had to respond to thousands and thousands of retailers to help them in a really short period of time. Yeah, we did. And, and we've got some super smart people at IBM and um, we were, you know, we had contingency plans in place and we managed to do things like, you know, shift 10,000, 15,000 workers from working in you know a big technology facility um, to shifting to work from home, you know within a within a week, mm. um, and sometimes that needed to involve buying them laptops because they were using desktop devices in in the office at the time. So you know we had to shift just as all of our clients had to shift, and some of those experiences that because you know we're a big employer of three hundred thousand mm. people as well. Um, some of our experiences working with our own people and our own technology has allowed us to be in a good position to help our clients who are facing a lot of those same challenges. 
Yeah, uh, we went through the same thing. We had to upgrade every piece of, you know, technology we had, you know, that uh, computing technology we had in our studios because we found an innovative way. You know, COVID is a very sad time in our history and lives. But for people that I'm watching, you know, everyone from the folks that are delivering wheat food, a week's worth of food already prepared to a doorstep and doing that seamlessly, you know, we have seen so many changes because of having the possibility of a, a safe, secure, efficient, and effective cloud environment. And from an IBM's perspective, let me ask you this. I mean, IBM, for me, I worked at the phone company before it was even automated. And so my familiarity with IBM goes way back. But this is a whole new world of being able to provide for people. Where are we today in what you see at IBM? But also look a year out for me and tell me what you're most excited about, Carl. Um, so, you know, I, I look at, you know, technology and I, and I mostly work with retailers and brands. And, you know, those are, those are businesses that have been around for hundreds or thousands of years in some cases. The idea of shopping and retail has been around for thousands of years. If you think about it on that long cycle, we're relatively early in what I'll call the technology wave. You know, mm. we're really only 50 years into regularly using computers, right. you know, at the individual level to help us do our jobs better. Um, as I look forward, frankly, I think what we're going to see is we're going to start seeing the future that many of us were promised, you know, by growing up watching Star Trek or by you know, watching different uh, sci-fi movies over the years and seeing the different ways that you can interact with, te with technology and with computers um, in a way that is so much more intuitive and natural. And that's, that's really what the idea of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. is about, is, you know, a computer that you can talk to, and, and I mean talk in either physically speaking or typing or chatting, um, in a way that you would with a human, yeah. that they're, they're like, a, you know, the assistant that's always working and always searching for things and helping you essentially get a superpower. Yeah. Um, because now you've got the, you know, the information of the world at your fingertips and, and a bunch of decision-making capability behind you that with our human minds, as great as they are, we just can't process through all of that information. Um, you know, so I, I'm excited about all of that. I'm excited about it too. One of the things I know you've got to run off, I want to make sure we get that website before we run out of time here. Please tell folks how they can find out a lot more detail about what we're talking about here today, Carl. Sure. So um, uh, our industry site is at ibm.com forward slash retail. And one of the things I want to just say and love for you to comment on, you know, one of the greatest challenges that I hear from our clients, and you know this for sure, is getting educated about cloud technology and not have to be a tech person. The number one question that comes up from clients is, love it, but how do I manage the cost of it? Isn't this where scalability comes in? Yeah, scalability comes in. Uh, is, is definitely one aspect. Um, and also what we're seeing is an evolution of cloud in and of itself, you know, yeah. choosing a cloud provider 
to um, the next evolution of what we call open hybrid cloud, mm. where you're not just managing one cloud provider because then you get locked in. And if they raise their rates, you just got to pay it. Yeah. <laughs> what we're seeing is that, you know, a modern company and, and, and really any company has dozens to hundreds to thousands of different computing needs, different, each one might work better in a different type of underlying technology infrastructure. Um, and so what we're trying to do now is help companies manage those computing workloads and to say, you know what, for the next month, this one makes the most sense to run on X infrastructure. And then in a month, you move it to Y infrastructure. You know, you, and, and you might move those things around and you manage it based on, um, uh, you manage it based on what's going to work the best, um, what, what, those, what the infrastructure is capable of, and you might also manage it based on based on price. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the offers to change your um, your electricity provider, but being able to manage four or five of those simultaneously. So we're helping build we're building tools for our clients to help them manage kind of cloud as as the infrastructure when they might be working with four or five cloud providers. Yeah, and you know. Let me just comment on that. I, I wasn't kidding when I said my involvement with IBM goes way back, but this also puts IBM in the forefront as the leader of business development and computing. And, you know, there are two components to this that we didn't talk about today because it's a short interview. But what you all are doing, you're not just providing computer computing service, cloud service. You're also providing business development and business efficiency and effectiveness. That kind of consultation is invaluable. Carl, thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, look, everybody, please go to the website. And Carl, one more time with that website, if you don't mind. Sure. IBM.com forward slash retail. All right, everybody, check it out. Please, there's a solution for you as there was for us. We'll see you in a minute. Your inspiration all day on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, I, I you all have heard me talk about the changes that we've made as we've gone through the pandemic. You've heard us talk about things we never thought about before, how to do things differently, how to be more innovative, how to look at sides of coins that we've never looked at, especially as executives of companies. But what does the latest, the latest study say when we're talking about efficiencies, effectiveness, and still keeping human beings in the mix? Anil Delwala is joining me here today, Managing Director with Accenture Strategy. And boy, do we have got some information for you. Anil, it's great to have you. Dr. Pat, thanks for having me. And, um, you know, you've teed us up perfectly in terms of, you know, turning over, uh, you know, new sides of the coin. You know, I have to tell you, I mean, we are one of those people that you referenced and we're wondering what people were learning, right? It's good to be in your own little bubble, Anil. It's great to be sitting here in your own little bubble. But mm -hmm. what is happening in other companies? What are they doing? So this report, what prompted you to take a really deeper dive at this issue? Absolutely, Dr. Pat. So, so the report is called CFO Now, Breakthrough Speed for Breakout Value. 
And we've been looking at the role of the chief financial officer, the CFO, um, since about 2003. We do a biannual study, taking a look at how the role is evolving, where the trends are going, how the finance function is evolving. And so we, re- we thought we were in a really unique moment where a lot of transformation, a lot of change was coming at the company and the CFOs at the same time, both because of the disruption from the pandemic, but also trends that, you know, pre, that were pre-existing in terms of digitalization, changing market and industry dynamics, changing consumer expectations. So we really felt that this was the CFO's moment and we wanted to see, you know, how their role was changing. Um, I'll tell you this, once upon a time, uh, one of the roles I had in my corporate uh, career was to manage the budget line for the telephone company, what was once known as AT&T and all the (laughs) Bell System companies, Uh, dollar amounts that would make your head swim. uh, But there was so much to learn and so much I understood and so much I didn't understand. But I will say this, we are in a dynamic time right now. And from our company's point of view, what we've had to do from a financial CFO or C-suite perspective was unprecedented. What have you found? Do you Have you found that people that are in this role, traditionally in this role, that pretty much know what they're doing, did they have to break out of their own box here? Absolutely, Dr. Pat. They had to break out of their box, break out of their shell. They had to get comfortable with with new areas. Um, and, you know, what you talked about managing those budget line items and, and, you know, numbers that would make your head spin, we call that role the economic guardian. So it's the traditional role of the CFO and the senior finance leader who is responsible for the, you know, being the financial steward of the enterprise, the financial viability, the com- you know, the financial compliance. And that's, that's a very important role and the role's not going away. But what we're seeing is this, this change and this dynamic where the CFO can't only be the economic guardian, right. also have to be the architect of business value. So they're working across the management team at the company, across the C-suite. They're working with the chief human resources officer, the chief information officer, the chief marketing officer as examples to say, how can we bring data together and get better visibility across financial data plus operational data, plus any third party external, you know, macroeconomic data to be able to answer different questions that we haven't ever been able to answer before. And then the third role they're leaning into is this catalyst of digital strategy, really becoming, you know, the hand in hand partner with the chief executive officer, the CEO to say, where's the company going three, five, 10 years from now what are going to be our new sources of revenue, the new customers, the new markets, the new channels? And how are we going to manage that with the resilience to still deal with data security issues or environmental, social, and corporate governance type of concerns? Um, and so bringing those three roles together is really forcing the CFO to break out of that box, as you said, Dr. Pat. Yeah, I want to ask you this question because um, there's the old perspective. And, you know, what I'm talking about is after my career, uh, I became a consultant and I, I re-engineered all of the processes at Snohomish County PUD. That mm-hmm. I consider old school because here's why. It, it is something somebody wakes up and says, this is something we have to do. It's almost like a sharp turn. 
Mm-hmm. And what I hear you talking about is not so much a sharp turn, but planning the road. So these are curves in the road that make adjustments to the business model and strategy. And that is very different to me than practices that were incorporated after 1990. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. What we've seen is any time that there's been large disruptions in the enterprise, whether it was the pandemic or even going back to, you know, when we had the great financial recession, anytime that there's those big changes, we're seeing the role of the CFO having to change because of what's needed in the enterprise. Sometimes it's regulatorily mandated, but oftentimes it's stepping into the opportunity that's out there for the company to grow faster, to be more profitable, to you know be a better um, citizen in the community, and so it's it's really about the CFOs leaning into these roles um, because the opportunity is there from that disruption. Yeah, I mean, one of the models that traditional leadership talks about is there's the CFO and there's the rest of the company. What I hear you saying and what this com- what the study says, Anil, is that wait a minute. You know, now we're looking at numbers in the 80 percent, 86, 88 percent, where the CFOs are really tied in to a collaboration, almost like an inside Mm -hmm. inside client perspective and working with their management. What have you seen as a result of this? We would all expect to see improvements. What have Mm -hmm. you seen in improvements from results? But even more importantly, has this allowed for new technology, so to speak, to come to market quicker? Dr. Pat, a lot of, lot of good ideas, and a lot of good questions there. So the CFOs that are becoming the elite CFOs, the high performers, they're separating themselves and their companies from the rest of the pack. They're really becoming their own self-disruptors in a way. <laughs> um, and when they do that well, when they embrace these three roles that we've talked about well, they're delivering financial value. You know, they're able to grow profitability at a growth rate. So the EBITDA CAGR is almost double what the rest of the peer set is able to achieve. Mm. The top line revenue growth, so the revenue CAGR is 10% higher from the rest of the peer set. And so the, the, you know, it's financially compelling. And I think you asked the right question. What are the trends in the technology that they're using to achieve these? How are they, how are they getting there? And they're really focusing on two elements. One is the data. So combining that financial and operational and external data to to make different decisions and break down silos across the data. And secondly, they're accelerating adoption and use of the cloud to be able to ingest and store and process that data, but leverage the artificial intelligence that's native to a lot of the cloud platforms Um, in order to create new insights, drive new sources of value, and do it at a speed that's never been possible before. Mm. Anil, do you you see this as we made a major adjustment to the times we live in? Now, here are the things that we know, uh, if you are a CFO, if you're anybody in any kind of role financially, you had to get involved with things that you perhaps normally would not have gotten involved in. You've had to look for resources to keep your business alive. 
You've had to really find out what are the issues. What do I put our priorities on? How do I become a guardian beyond almost like guardian of the galaxy of my my company (laughs) now? How do I become that? Because these people are in times and they need to have ways to shift and change and take the curve a little bit better. It can quickly becoming over. It can quickly become very overwhelming. Just you know, hearing you talk about it, there's so much you know coming coming at these uh, chief financial officers. Mm-hmm. In the p- pandemic, they had to deal with liquidity issues, changing supply chain, how they're going to enable all their workers to work remotely and work from home. How are they still going to you know um, engage with their customers or consumers? So you're absolutely right. There was a lot of 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 changing dynamics. But I think what we're going to see as we, you know, come out of the pandemic, as mm-hmm. we try to renormalize, there's no going back to how things used to be. No. Um, you, you've got to embrace where you are and find the opportunity and take advantage of it as you move forward. And because of that, you can't go back to a CFO that's only an economic guardian. You've got to have the CFO that's, you know, partnering across the C-suite, for being that architect, or really thinking about the, the digital strategy of the company, really thinking about what's next for the company as well. Well, I want to thank you for bringing this forward. I know you are so busy today taking the message out, but underneath everything we've talked about is more information. And so I encourage uh, our listeners to pass this information on because you've done the study that will allow other organizations to model the possibilities of getting the things that people need in this time way faster and to make sure the priorities of the organization are aligned. Um, This is one of the most important, I think, shifts in managerial roles that we've seen in a long time. It really blends the needs of the organization, the needs of the people in the organization, and the ever-changing environment. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you, I hope the CFOs are getting a raise. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's certainly an exciting time, Dr. Pat. And um, if I may, you know, um, if folks want to read it, they want to understand it, they want to make it their own, you can find the report at Accenture.com slash CFO now, um, as well as all of our um, you know, research and the numbers and the, and, and the metrics um, that you can roll around in. And you can just, everybody out there, you can Google that CFO now, Breakthrough Speed for Breakout Value. Uh, so important. Uh, we are a company that has had to do exactly what Anil just talked about, um, but we didn't know it was a thing until today. Anil, thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Pat, and and glad you were ahead of the curve already. Yeah, me too. Just saying. (laughs) Everybody, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Get empowered. Welcome to Shades of Spirits Guided Monthly Meditation. Today we're going to be connecting you with your past animals. We have a sacred connection to our pets in life. And we continue that sacred connection in spirit. 
I'd like you to find a safe space to just sit for a few minutes comfortably and be able to just relax and be open to receiving the message your pet has for you today. Make sure that you don't operate any machinery or drive any machinery while listening to this meditation. Good. I want you to start out taking some slow and steady deep breaths in through your nose. And releasing that breath out through your mouth. Allowing yourself to sink deeper and deeper into your space. deep breath in through your nose, bringing your shoulders up to your ears, feeling that connection, that engagement, and now relax and release those shoulders and that breath deeper into your space. Your legs are getting heavier, your arms are getting heavier in your lap, your shoulders are getting heavier, relaxing deeper and deeper into your space. Take one more nice deep breath in, picturing the color green surrounding you and moving through you. And on the exhale, release that energy and melt deeper into your space. Good. Now with this meditation, I want you to be open to receiving that love and light from that pet on the other side. I want you to picture yourself standing on a cloud. And before you is the rainbow bridge. Oh, those beautiful colors in that rainbow. The air is fresh and crisp. And the rainbow bridge seems to go along forever. I want you to start walking, walking on this rainbow bridge. If you have a fear of heights, you know the ground is right beneath you. And allow yourself to continue to ascend. It's getting lighter and brighter. You almost feel as if you're floating across this bridge. Good. Now be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. Can you hear anything? See anything up on the top of that platform where that rainbow bridge lets out? Can you smell anything? Nice. And as you approach the top, I want you to be ready to receiving this special message from your pet today. I want you to go to the platform and look out over this beautiful, vast field. And this field may have a special dog park that the two of you connected at. Maybe it's the backyard of your home when you'd throw the ball or your kids would run around and play with them. Allow that field to take form 
of how it connects with you and your animal or animals. Maybe it's a childhood home, that special pet that you grew up with. You are safe. You are secure. It's okay. And when you're ready, open up that small gate that stands before you on the platform and head out into that space, ready to receive the unconditional love from that pet. Beautiful. It's okay to feel emotions. Let the tears fall if they may, and that beautiful embrace with that animal on the other side. Maybe you start laughing of all the quirky things that they did. But allow yourself to feel, feel that love, feel that energy. Beautiful, beautiful. Now I want you to take those pets and head over to the bench in the middle of that field in that space and sit with them. They're no longer in pain. All of their physical ailments have left it as soon as they crossed over. They ran up that rainbow bridge. Let them tell you that story. Take a deep breath in. Allow that emotion to fill you. Positive, loving emotion. And exhale. Now I'm going to read a channeled message from Spirit Walker Nicole to you from your pet. Take in these words, honor these words, and share this moment with them. I'm up here in the sunshine. It's warm. I'm wild and free. I can hear you say my name and see your endless tears. Please understand, I am okay and just waiting up here for you. Time is different here. Years pass like seconds. You took such good care of me as we spent time side by side. You made my heart sore just by coming home or telling me you loved me. Sometimes I settle in here in the grass and under my tree. There are others that do the same. We look towards our sky and we can see you. We can check on you and even come to visit if we want. Sometimes you can feel us near. You may see a shadow out of the corner of your eye or feel us laying next to you. We are never far away. Our love is a gift. And although we don't get to enjoy the luxury of many years, 
we do learn the value of unconditional love and what a gift that is. It was an honor to share a part of your life. The angels take such good care of us. We each have a personal angel that steps in to take care of us. We have everything we need here. We have unlimited treats, toys, and playmates. We will be together again someday. Until then, live a beautiful life. Thank you for the beautiful life you gave me. Absorb that message. Thank them for that message. You may even start to see or have already felt their angel presence around you. As each one of our pets has a special angel just dedicated to them. Take a few more minutes on this bench. Absorb that healing energy, that loving energy. Feel the light within them, that spark. Take that energy with you. It's their gift to you. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And exhale that love. You will see your animals again one day. For them, it will be the blink of an eye. Remember that. Now head back to that beautiful platform with that gates. Turn to your pets with one last hug, one last smile, one last ball throw. Invite them to come down anytime they wish. All you have to do is ask and they'll be there for you. Now open that gate and step through onto the platform, shutting that gate, knowing that they are safe, they're secure, they're loved and well taken care of. This is not goodbye. This is I'll see you in a minute. Now I want you to do something different to come down this rainbow. You're filled with such beautiful energy. I want you to sit at the edge of the rainbow on the platform and I want you to allow yourself to slide down that beautiful rainbow. Right back onto that cloud, you are safe. Feel the wind as you're coming down. Allow it to fill you with life. You're starting to feel more energized, more alive, more at peace. Great. You're almost there, back to that cloud. Enjoy this ride. Now you've ended up back on your cloud, knowing that you can come back here anytime you wish. And allow that cloud to float you back down now into the physical body that you reside in, into that space that you are in at the moment. Good. 
And I want you to start deep breathing, breathing in that love, starting to wiggle your fingers and toes, becoming more awake, more alive, more vibrant, feeling as if a piece of your heart was just put back in. Acknowledge that. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And remember, you can come back here anytime. <laughs>